0: I I don't know who uh, put up the uh, backdrop, but it reminds me of Canada, northern Canada. Do those trees grow leaves in the spring? Jeremy, (laughs) they put some conifers up here, you know, warm things up. Praise the Lord. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, I've got some cards here. Pastor, I'm just, we'll set them on a bench there, so, chair, and if you'd like to, uh, be in touch with us. There's an email there. There's a telephone number. I'm never there to answer the telephone, but I do check my email. If you'd like to receive a monthly newsletter that has our teachings in it also opportunities to be involved, uh, please pick up a card and email us. Tell us your name and uh, life point, and your email address. Please print. Don't write. I can't read it. And uh, we'll try to stay in touch with you. Amen. If you'd like to be on our newsletter list, you can also Put that information on a piece of paper or something in the service and give it to Karen or I, our pastor, and uh, we'll be glad to put you on that. Amen? Well, I I just want you to know that you've got a great pastor. He's looking over you and he's watching out for you because when I contacted him uh, just last week, I believe it was, that I had an opening today, uh, and I'd be glad to come and share. Uh, He wrote... He, he called me back and uh, what he was doing he was grilling me to find out who I was and how I preached and what I taught and those kinds of things and not many pastors do that a lot of me either say no or they'll say they'll say sure come on and I have invitations from all over the world to come and do crusades and conferences and preach in churches and, uh, a lot of them are coming from Africa and I just write them back, and I said, you're doing a very foolish, unwise thing, inviting someone you don't know anything about to come speak to your people. I could split your church. I could take away your position. I could take all your money, and you don't know who I am. And so I suggest you not do this unless you have a relationship with someone. And so, Pastor, even though I've been delivering wood to him for four years, he he still wanted to know a little bit more about me. And then I gave him a, a teaching on a podcast, and he uh, he listened to part of that and called me back and said, "I want you to preach that at my church." And so here we go. You're going to get it, amen. So if you will turn in your whatever you use, <laughs> do you, do you put the verses up? I don't know. Do you do that here? No. Okay. Well, turn in uh, the old the old book to. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, and you'll be able to follow along with me there. If I can get this thing to work, new technology and old guys, I'm just not sure. Thank you for allowing me to come, and thank you for uh, being praying for us and helping us to do what we do. We are uh, excited about what God's doing. Every time my wife shares, she shares something different every time. And there are certain things that she always shares, but I sit there to just have a trip down memory lane, thinking, "Oh my God, I've been privileged over the last 34 years to do this and to go these places and uh, allow the Lord to use us in whatever it is He's wanting to do—from from miracles and healing, miracles in church growth, miracles in relationships. I've got a, I've got a few people that." Uh, have written me and said, you prayed for me to get pregnant, and I was never able to get pregnant, and I just want you to know I'm pregnant. And I said, okay, no, anybody with this anointing pray for my wife. <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> Not at our age. <laughs> I do have a goat named Pauline in uh, Romania. No, it was Poland, wasn't it? Yeah, we uh, bought a goat because they had this uh, lactose intolerant child, and So we bought a goat so they could have goat milk, and they named it after me. So uh, (laughs) praise the Lord. All right. In Colossians 1, uh, verse 13, I'm going to read. I'm going to start at the end and move back to the beginning, all right? But I want to talk about discipleship this morning. And uh, I will illustrate this. I will borrow a few stools here because I'm going to need it for my illustration and uh, since I'm up here everybody should be able to see everything alright I'm very unorthodox in Colossians one thirteen, it says this for he meaning Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son now that tells us something if we read between the lines that tells us something it tells us that there are two kingdoms that exist in the world. I know there's the kingdom here and the kingdom there and the kingdom back there, but those are man-made kingdoms. There are really only two kingdoms in the world, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of Satan. And each one of those kingdoms has a leader, a king. And Jesus, of course, is the leader, the king of kings, and uh, he rules over the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. Then you have Satan who is kind of a sub-king. I hate to call him a king, maybe a prince. But he is head over the kingdom of darkness. Amen? So if you look at these two leaders, there's quite a difference between them. Jesus, he's light. He's love. He's goodness. He's kindness. He's peace. He's joy. He loves you. He loves those who are in his kingdom. And he also loves those who are not in his kingdom. He came to die for all mankind. For God, his Father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He loved us while we were yet ungodly or unlovable. However, Satan, who is the leader of the kingdom of darkness, well, he's just a terrible person. He's a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy everything that you have and everything that you are. He has other names. He's the dragon. He's also known as uh, the great deceiver, the father of lies. Why would anybody in their right mind want to be under his leadership? But yet the world is lying in darkness, and that's because they don't yet know, and that brings it back to us because we have been given the responsibility. We do have a ministry. Everyone in this room has a ministry. We have the ministry of reconciliation reconciling man to the Father. Amen? But that just kind of gives us an idea that there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of light, we will say, and the kingdom of darkness. And it tells us that we have been transferred from one kingdom into another. All right. Maybe we can illustrate it this way. Let's just, uh, (coughs) we'll set this up as our stage here. And I'm since you're nice people and you outnumber me, I'm going to let you be in the kingdom of light. <laughs> and back here, there is the kingdom of darkness. Nobody is in that, right? Not this morning. Let's hope. If you are finding yourself in the wrong kingdom today, you can change that. You can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. All right, now, if we are going to be transferred from one place to another, let's just think of rooms Like two rooms in a building, all right? There's this room full of light. All the lights are on, the spotlights are on, everything's looking good. The fake fireplace is on, you know. I'm with you, brother. I just told my wife yesterday, I said, you know, I think it's time for me to go to Florida and to Bolivia for a month. Of course, it'll be followed by going to the Arctic. We'll forget about that. All right, so we got two rooms. So we got the this room here that's full of light and we got this room back here that's full of darkness. All right? But if we're going to go from one room to another just like in your home, there must be some way to do that. And so we have this makeshift wonderful door here. Now I can go from this room to this room through this door. Are you with me? Kind of go from the natural to the spiritual and back and forth, so don't get confused here, all right? So, at least I don't need a translator while I'm here. When I go up north sometimes, they don't understand my southern accent. They're trying to give me a translator, and I can see something. What do he say? What would he say? What's a whatchamacallit? What I don't understand. But there's the door, all right? Now, God wants us to be transferred from this room to this room, and Jesus has made a way for that. In fact, the Bible in one place tells us that Jesus is the door, and we cannot enter into eternal life without going through Him, through the door. But let's talk about these people that are over here in darkness. All right, if you look in First uh, Corinthians, oops, wrong side. First Corinthians two. Let me just read that passage of Scripture to you about four or five verses. It begins this way. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, an ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Those are these people. We have seen it. We have heard it. We ha- It has entered into our heart our hearts, because we know that God has prepared all those things for us. Are you with me? I've heard it preached that, you know, when we get to heaven, we'll say, "Nah, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven. We have Holy Spirit in us right now that can and does reveal these things to us. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, Holy Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now we have received, meaning believers, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness for them. And listen to this. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. What that is telling me, that is if a person is unsaved, He's still in darkness, that it is impossible for him or her to understand spiritual things. It's impossible, because he does not yet have the Spirit of God, so therefore he cannot understand anything that is spiritual. He can hear about it, he can read the Bible, he can come to church, but he does not have a clue about the spiritual workings of God. Are you with me? So therefore, if we go back to our illustration of a room of light and a room of dark, in your home, if you have lights on in one room and the, other, the lights are off in, the, other, in the, the first room and there's a door there, you can most of the time see a little bit of light. If you would just turn that way and look at that back door I guess you can see it. I can. There is, a, there is a little sliver of light on the top of the door. If you are, spiritually speaking, in the darkness, there is no sliver of light anywhere. In fact, you don't even know there's a door. It's impossible for you to discern that it's there because that light coming around the door would be spiritual. Are you with me? And we cannot understand spiritual things so it doesn't exist. It's totally dark, like in a cave. And so therefore, from the spiritual standpoint, these people are walking around in darkness and they don't even realize there's a room right over there. They are in the kingdom of darkness and they don't know and understand that there's a kingdom of light. They are living their lives according to natural wisdom, And they're doing things the way it's always been done by everybody they know, not understanding that all they have to do is go over and open that door and walk into light. However, the door is not there for them. They don't know it's there. There's no doorknob on their side. Because the Bible tells us that we cannot come to the Father unless we're drawn by the Spirit. Is that right? So it's not our choice. How do you get saved? For by grace, through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So here are these people. They're in darkness. They're doing all the things that people do in darkness. And there's no shame. And there's no light. That's what it's like to be lost and we have a lot of people that we've seen down through history that are people who walk in darkness. We think of Herod. We think of Jezebel. We think of all the bad people in the Bible. We think of Stalin. We think of Hitler. We think of Larry Nasser, who just abused all those young Olympic girls. We think of those kind of people, and we think, well, those are the kind of people who live in darkness, but also living in darkness are good men and women, parents, grandparents, people in the community that we love and admire, and we say those are good people. They also are in darkness. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one, but yet by their standards, that's a good person. Now. I hate, I hate to say this, but when it comes to considering those people over here, most of the church don't have any love for them. They don't want to be around them. They hate them. They they don't. If the truth were known, most of the people in church don't want them to come to our churches. In fact, there are certain churches that if a woman walked in and she was not dressed like them, they would ask her to leave. Well, don't want to be meddling there, but anyway, I'm just saying that for most of Christendom, the church doesn't want any of those people, and we're not going to go to them. We've misread and misunderstood them in Second Corinthians where it says, come ye out and be separate from among them. What, What union or what does light have to do with darkness however we forget that Jesus was constantly among the people going to those people amen so I I just want us to understand that as far as the church is concerned oh there's the clock it's wrong it's fast I can tell I was looking for a clock I always look for a clock because I know I have a time schedule well there it is right there excuse me I just knocked that over However, that's not the way Jesus feels. Jesus loves those people. Aren't you glad that Jesus loved you when you were in those darkness? Because everyone in here once was in darkness. And some may still be. But Jesus doesn't feel that way. Jesus loves those people. He died for those people. He wants those people to come into the light. So what does he do? In his timing, he will come, and he will reach down, and he will crack the door. Now, think in your mind, if that were to happen, dark room, light room, crack the door just a little bit, a sliver of light would come through that door, wouldn't it? Now, just imagine, we're talking spiritual now. In spiritual darkness, there's no comprehension of light. And so if all of a sudden light appeared like a sliver of light coming through an open door, it would get their attention. Oh, man, just go outside in the summer and turn on the outside light, and there's no time at all until every bug on your property is right there at your door. So when, you, when Christ opens that door, just cracks that door just a little bit, light comes in. What is that? What is that? I don't know. I've never seen that before. Uh, Well let's go investigate some of the brave ones, and they'll come over and they'll get close to that light and they'll look at it and they'll try to touch it and uh, where's it coming from? I, I don't know. Let's look and see. The Bible says that it's by grace through faith, not by works that we come into the Lord. Amen? So therefore, listen to me, this may be a little strange for you, is that there's nothing these people sitting in darkness can do, that's called works, that can save them. So, but the Bible says we have to have faith to receive. They have no faith. Faith is spiritual. They have no faith at all. So therefore, Jesus, in his love and his mercy and his grace, sends forth through that crack just the measure of faith that's needed to receive him. It's grace that it's there to begin with. Now he's going to send through there faith that that man or woman sitting in darkness needs, it's required, to be able to respond to the light. Amen? See, it's not your faith in the beginning. It's a measure of faith that God gives us to receive and respond to salvation. All right, so what do they do? Well, they come and they, wow, I'm drawn to this. I don't understand it. It's totally foreign to me, but I need... To escape the darkness and go into the light. Remember your salvation. Remember how it happened. We have all these stories in here. Okay? But there was something about the message you heard, the testimony you heard, the song you heard, the answered prayer that you prayed. There was something about that that drew you like a magnet. And so what happens is that person comes And by that faith that they're going to utilize, and through the grace of God, that door opens and they step out of the darkness into the light. We call that salvation. We call that getting saved. We call that a miracle. Oh, that God would do that for me, that he would love me, that he would forgive everything that I've done, because now, see, there's conviction. Back here, there was no conviction in the darkness. But when that light came through, conviction came through it and love. And that person comes and they stand on the threshold and they stop. They do not go any farther without discipleship. Are they saved? Yes. They have responded by faith and grace and they have left darkness, but they stop on the threshold. Is he in the light? Is he in the darkness? Is he in the light? Is he in the darkness? Well, what's going on at this point in time while this person is standing on the threshold? I call this person John. Anybody in here named John? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I was going to call him Paul like me, but then I thought you'd get confused between the Apostle Paul and and this Paul. So we'll just say John. That's a good name. All right. So John is standing on the threshold. Now, two things are happening during this part of the process. Number one, Satan's angry. He's mad. He doesn't want to lose you. He doesn't want to lose John. So he's going to do everything he can to tempt John back into the darkness. Amen? You remember when you got saved? All those little temptations that came? At the same time, he's going to use John's former acquaintances who are still sitting in darkness to try to get him back, to change his mind. So there's going to be those that will make fun of him. (laughs) Look at John. He's a Christian now. I guess he's going to go to church, and he's going to give his money, and he's going to quit doing this and doing that. Oh, John, you're a Christian now. Well, how does John respond to that? Well, John doesn't know how to respond to that because he's not been over here yet. To understand spiritual things, so John is going to do what John has always done. Depending on his personality, he's going to take care of business. He's going to step back off the threshold, and he's going to take care of business. Amen. Well, there's other things, there's uh, addictions that John has been involved in. There's there's rela- sexual relationships he's been involved in, and all those temptations are pulling at him and trying to get him back out of the light and slam the door. And so what happens is many of us, don't raise your hand, many of us from the light and from wherever our experience is now, we look at this new so-called Christian who says he's a believer, but yet he still acts the same way he's always acted. So how can you call that person a Christian when he's fighting and whoring and being addicted and falling into things? How can you call him a Christian? Be careful we don't judge. Be careful we don't judge. And it's tempting to judge that person like that. There's another thing that's going on while he's standing on the threshold. And that is this. There are others. The door's open, right? He's standing in the threshold. The door's still open, so light is continuing to go through. And there are other people back here who are being drawn to that light, just like John was, but they don't know what Christianity looks like. But they know that John has decided to be saved, to enter into the light. And they think, oh, John's a Christian, so that must be what Christians are like. That must be the way they talk. That must be the way they act. John's a Christian, and we are wanting to be Christians also. We're being drawn by the same faith and by the same grace. And so we're still here. We're not quite to the threshold yet. And we're seeing John, our example of Christianity. And John is what we call a carnal Christian. Amen? So then. They, having known John before in this world of darkness, and now they have been drawn to the light, and John is their example, and they're saying, okay, what's a Christian? Must look like John. And so we have a world full of carnal Christians in the church that are being like John, their example And we don't want them to be like John. We want John to be like us. Two very dangerous things. John's standing here. It's just a step back. And he's back where he was. This is a very dangerous place for new Christians to remain. But it's our responsibility as believers and followers of Christ to get John as far away from that threshold as quickly as we can. And many people don't want to do that because, well, you know, if I start hanging out with John and we know John's carnal and he has some problems and he makes a lot of mistakes, then some, everybody might think I'm like John. So we don't go to John and help him. There are others that say, well, you know, I, I'm in the light and, uh, John really needs to know some things, but, you know, I don't really know very much myself, so who am I to disciple John? And then there are others says, say, you know, I'm very busy. I've got an eight to five job. I've got five kids. I've got an extra job on the side. I've got all these things, you know. I mean, if I spend all that time with John, I won't have any time for Facebook anymore. It may even cost me some money, so I, you know, let, let pastor, let let it, let these worship people, these people who are older, been a long time in the faith, let let them go to John and help him. Then we got those older people. I've done my job. I'm I've been in this for fifty, sixty years. I've paid the price. I've I built three churches with my money. I've taught Sunday school. I've been on the worship team. I've done. I'm just tired. I can't find any more energy for one more person. There's all kinds of excuses why we don't go to the threshold and grab John as quick as we can and get him away from that darkness. Sound familiar? I've been to all those places myself. So what we need to do is we need to get John away off of the threshold and away from the door as soon as we can. Now, I'd like, for you, I'd like to go to another passage of Scripture. Let me find it in my notes here. In Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20, it's what we call the Great Commission. This is the way it reads. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There would be some people who would say, well, that was for the disciples. No, that's for anyone who reads it, who's a believer. He doesn't say go get them saved. It says make them disciples and to teach them. That's one passage that we could always go back to and use. But then I want to go to another passage of Scripture. Well, let's go back to where we started. Let's go back to Colossians, the first chapter. I started with verse 13, I guess. I want to read the 12 before that. Listen to this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren, those of you in the light who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth. The gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, it is, listen to this, constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Those people who are not on the threshold, the people out there, he's writing to people out there even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Now listen to this prayer, and if you want to pray a prayer for Karen and I, this is the prayer we would like for you to pray for us. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord out there, to please him in all respects out there, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God out there strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. Wow. That is what we should be doing for this person. And for the next step, and the next step, and the next step. See, there are steps. In Mark four twenty, after the parable of the sower has been explained to the disciples, he ends it with this. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, And a hundredfold. You see, this is zero. On the threshold is zero. We don't want new believers to stay at zero, or at five, or at ten and following. We want them to move forward to that hundredfold return. So, what's the difference? What's the difference between 30? Now, I'm going to get rid of my door. What's the difference between 30, 60, and 100? Well, it's arbitrary. I might come up with something you wouldn't come up with, but there's growth. There's spiritual growth. If we start at zero, right there on the threshold, we're brand new Christians, we've just entered into the faith, and hopefully someone is going to come and disciple us, befriend us, accept us all, with all of our blemishes, and help us to become what God wants us to be, then we start this journey from zero, and we begin all the way up to, let's just say, 30. Well, what's that look like? Well, what did you do when you became a Christian? First of all, you had a love you never had before. You had some understanding. You didn't have very much wisdom, but you had love. Because, see, the Lord tells us he has something against us because we've done what? left our first love so we know that there's love there and there's love for everybody I don't know about you but I was going around telling all my friends about what happened to me you need to get saved, you need to get saved what's going on no you really need to get saved, you just don't understand come, go to church with me and a lot of times we think that's, that's the epitome of Christian services invite somebody to come to church so Pastor Josh can preach to them, they'll hear the gospel and they'll get saved Wait a minute, I know the gospel. I could tell them myself. Oh, no, that's too much work. <laughs> but anyway, so they begin to read the Bible. Somebody gives them a Bible, they buy a Bible, and they, they start reading the Bible in Genesis or in Matthew. And maybe it would be good for someone to come alongside them and say, you know, let's start in John. Let's start in First John, the, the whole book of love. Let me talk to you about the parables of Christ. Here, read this tonight, and I'll get back with you, and we'll discuss it. That sounds like discipleship. But anyway, in that first stage is reading the Bible. We may throw a penny or a quarter or a dollar in the plate from time to time. Uh, we uh, might begin praying, you know, before we go to sleep or when we first get up in the morning or Maybe just before mealtime, but we'll begin to pray a little bit. We really don't know how to pray, so we need somebody to model it for us so we can at least know how to do it. So we've got some of these things going on, and every time we read something in the Bible and obey it, we take a step. We grow a little bit. Every time we begin to pray for people and maybe give some money, attend church, change our worship Songs that we listen to, not that I'm not talking about hymns and worry I 'm talking about. well, I don't even know who any of the new singers are. I'll use Blake Shelton. Everybody knows about Blake Shelton on the voice, so I'll use him. But anyway, as we begin to replace the worldly music with music that edifies us and builds us up, we begin to grow. And now sometime, some it's faster than others. we'll get up here to this 30-fold return, all right? Then, people quit judging us that we're on the threshold, and they begin to pray for us and bless us and help us and take us out to eat and those kind of things. Uh-oh. And then, you got the 30-fold. <laughs> I didn't turn it over far enough. The 30-fold. Now, we are learning about the things in the Bible. We're actually trying to accomplish what it says we should do. We find out about gifts of the Holy Spirit or five-fold ministry or we get a good teaching on stewardship and we find out that God do, does really bless us when we give. The more we give, the more he blesses. Oh, man, we're just growing and we're beginning to maybe hold a Bible study and we're doing things, being participants in the church and what the church is doing. And so now we're beginning to grow up toward that 60-fold, all right? Once we get to that 60-fold, we begin to see that there's the character of Christ, And that we need to really become Christ-like and do the things the Bible tells us to do. And now we're really beginning to move in the spirit. And maybe we might even go on a mission trip. We may even do something for God outside the country. Or we get involved in the Crisis Pregnancy Center, which is something else now. It's got a new name. Everybody. Why do we change all these names? My goodness. I'm so politically incorrect, it hurts. But we begin to move. Now, here's what happens. I'm almost finished, I know your stomach's growling, almost finished. So when you're down here, uh, even in the 30-fold, but somewhere down in these early years, we look at those people that are in the 100-fold, and we tend to label them as fanatics. Oh yeah, I'm a believer, but I don't do stuff like that. You would spend your vacation on a mission trip? What do you mean you gave 30% last year? You fanatic, man. I'm a believer, but I'm, you know, I still got some sense about me. But then once you get up here in the 60, 70, 80%, things change. Now you look at those in that hundredfold and you say, God, could I ever do that? Could that be me someday, Lord? What do I need to do? What do I need to slough off and put behind me and go forward so that I can be like those people? See, that's maturity, and it changes. I look at myself sometimes, and I thought, man, how do I get back down here in the 30s? That's discipleship, and the church will die without it. You will die without it because if we're not out there making disciples and teaching others and sharing with others who God is in my life and what he's done for me, guess what? We will grow cold and we will start backpedaling. But praise the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe it's God's will to go from the threshold to the 30? Do you? Do you believe God's will is for us to continue on up to the 60 and move toward the 100? Yes, it is. Well, there's a verse in the Bible over in 1 John chapter 5, I think. This says this. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything, what? According to his will, we know he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, we have what we ask of him. It is God's will to bring people out of the darkness, to get them off the threshold, to begin moving them to the character of Christ and the service of the faith. It is His will. Do you think it's His will when you are convicted of something and you realize that you've made mistakes, that you're not living according to the way God really wants you to live? For you to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit. Is that God's will? Yes it is. So therefore, if we this morning have come to a place and we realize, you know, there's more that God wants out of me. And I have been in sin, I've been backslid, I have been lazy. I have not been what he wants me to be. My priorities are wrong. I need to ask him to forgive me. And when you do that, that is God's will for you. So let's just bow our heads and pray for a minute, would we? I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the fore. God knows you. You know you. God knows what he wants to do in our lives this morning. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for Holy Spirit that helps us to understand spiritual things. Thank you, Lord, for your patience and your mercy and your love toward us. But, Lord, this morning, here at the beginning of the year, Father, we want to make things right with you. We want to progress in our holiness and our walk with you. So, Lord, we repent of those things that's held us back. We repent of not being available, Lord, to take someone by the hand and help them to become more like you. So, Lord, this is your will, and we pray it according to your will. We know that you hear us, and we accept your forgiveness right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. What a challenging word, huh? It's all about growth. It's all about becoming who God He called you to be. But at the same time, not forgetting about the people that are on that threshold. I love the way you put that, Paul. On that threshold, ready to take those next steps. We can never be so spiritually minded that we forget about the people that we're supposed to turn around and a disciple. That's the model Jesus left for us. And that's the model we're supposed to set for other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, We have a great opportunity now to pour into what I believe is a powerful ministry that is accomplishing great things for the kingdom of God. How many of you would say that you were both blessed and challenged by the word this morning? Yeah, all the way. Me too. I want to step up what I do as a pastor. I want to make sure that I'm setting the example that I need to set, that I'm got the bar set high that I'm following Jesus with all my heart and that I'm pouring into the people that I need to pour into Um, I want us to bless the ministry of Paul and Karen in a powerful way this morning can we do that as a church body gentlemen if you will please come we're going to receive an offering to bless their ministry Paul has a trip to Bolivia this coming week and then other missions efforts on the calendar soon after. Guys, I like pouring seed into fertile soil. And I really believe that their ministry is fertile soil. Can, can we do this? The pastor talking to you, can we do this? Typically, sometimes what happens when you have a missionary come into the church. And listen, this is what impressed me more than anything about Paul. He's his heart, his work ethic that you see is evident in the things that he does. But, but the man never asked me, not once, to take up an offering or support the ministry. He came in with the, the heart to bless our church and didn't ask for anything in return. Um, sometimes churches can have missionaries come in or guest speakers come in, and we don't do a good job of pouring into their ministry. I want Life Point Church to be a church that's a generous church. Not just in our offerings here or what we do for the community. I believe that God can use what we do this morning in pouring into the ministry of Paul and Karen. I believe that God can take this and impact the lives of tens, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people before this is all said and done. We have the moment now. We have an opportunity now to make an impact in the lives of people that we're never going to see in a country that we may never have an opportunity to go to. But we have an opportunity now to help send someone Who's going to go there and train and equip people to make a difference in their own land. What a powerful opportunity we have. Amen. Yeah. Guys, I want to challenge you to give and to give big this morning to support their ministry. Um, even if it means skipping lunch after church today. What better thing could we find to pour our, t- our money into than to invest into the ministry of, a, of, of two quality people like this. Who are making a difference in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So I want to challenge you to give to give with vision to give with a big heart if you have writing a check you can go ahead and make that check out to Life Point Church for invading the darkness and what we're going to do is take this offer and we're going to cut Paul and Karen one big check out of everything that's given today Okay? if you want to give online it's fine you can do that if we caught you off guard and all you've got is a piece of plastic in your pocket but you want to give you can give on the app or if you want to right now, you can text. If we can put the text to give information up on the screen, i want we'll to give you an opportunity to do that just in case you don't have a checkbook or the extra cash with you right now. I want to make sure you don't miss out on the opportunity to give and give in a big way to invest in this ministry. Paul and Karen didn't ask me to do this, but I do know this. It's our, it's our responsibility as a local church. To make sure that we are sending missionaries abroad. Funded and fully equipped to do what God has called them to do. Amen? So now is not the time to be selfish. Now's the time to give sacrificially and with vision and with passion. And I believe God will bless you. But more than that, on the other side of this, when we enter into eternity. Man, there's no telling. There's no telling who's going to come up to us and say, thank you for giving. Because you supported this ministry. I heard the gospel. And I just wanted to say thank you because I wouldn't be here. What, What a powerful opportunity we have this morning to give and impact the world in a powerful way through the ministry of Paul and Karen. So let's pray and let's give and let's give big as a church body. Father, I thank you for these people. Lord, I thank you for the word that has challenged us so much this morning. Caused us to grow up just a little bit more in our faith in you. Father, I pray that people would rise up in generosity now to pour into a ministry that is making a difference in this world, that's advancing your kingdom and advancing the cause of the gospel, Father. There is no better thing to give to than the things that have eternal value. And this ministry has eternal value. So, Lord, I thank you in advance for a great offering that will do this church proud, but more than that, that will bring glory to your name Because of lives that are going to be touched as the fruit of what we give today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give this morning.